in Randy and Stacy Schrader's place to talk about the possibility of planting a church. We gathered uh, two different times, and as we came together, there's so many questions. Uh, what would the church be named? What would the church be about? Where are we going to meet? What are the logistics going to look like? And what is the heart of the church going to be about? And if there's one thing I remember very vividly from those days, it was that I was quite clueless about the answer to all of those things. And if you were with us way back then, you know when we started, it wasn't with any grand plan or, or great scheme. We didn't go through the soft launch and then a, a hard launch. We just felt led to go for it. And so we did. The only thing that was clear was we knew whatever we were about, we were to be about the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus talked about throughout his time on earth, and this is what you and I are called to be about. It is the kingdom of God. We are born into a very broken world. Uh, the Bible tells us that Satan is doing his work in this earth, and that when we are created, we are not created as these perfect, holy individuals. So we aren't just automatically born in the kingdom of God, we're instead born into the kingdom of Satan. There are only two kingdoms. I don't have a kingdom. You don't have a kingdom. Only God and Satan have kingdoms. So when we're born, we're in Satan's domain, his world, until God, by his grace and mercy, plucks us out. And Colossians 1 tells us, transfers us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have forgiveness of sin. So, that glorious reality means that once we enter into the kingdom of God, we have this great mission, which is simply to advance that kingdom. We want to see that kingdom expand as the kingdom of God expands. The kingdom of Satan is inherently getting smaller, and that is our purpose. That's why we're here. So 10 years ago, as we gathered together, that's what it was about. We started with the book of Mark and, and began to go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Mark. And again and again, we were hit with the reality that it was all about the kingdom of God. And so as we're entering into 2022, one of the things that is so significant for me and, and quite likely for you is, is just looking back on the last year and, and saying, what has God done in my life spiritually in this past year? Where have I seen areas of growth? Where have I seen areas of struggle? What am I praying about today that that I know is what God really wants me to pray about. And what am I, what have I stopped praying about? What am I not praying about as, as passionately as I used to pray about? Where, where was I fasting before and I'm not now? Or maybe sharing the gospel more before and I'm, I'm not now? What is it that needs a, a reset in my life? And I thank God that year after year we get to have this privilege of this fast so that we can we can step back and fast and pray and ask God to reorient us and recenter us on the things that he wants to be so vital in our lives. Well, as we're looking at that today, I think one of the best places we can look is here in Acts chapter 1 because this is going to pick up the end of the story of Jesus, at least his time on earth, and the transition that's happening uh, as the apostles, the disciples of Jesus, are going to carry on his legacy and his ministry. So you would think right at the end that Jesus would want to give them very important words. You can imagine it's a little bit like a patriarch of a family, maybe a grandfather, great-grandfather, who's getting close to passing away, and he just 
calls the family together and he says, come close, come close. I need to share with you one final thing. This is going to be so important for you. These are my final words that I'm going to share with you before I pass away. You can imagine that the family would be gathered around, listening closely, holding on to those words, remembering those words. And of all the things that they did, they would be very sure to do those words. We get a glimpse into that today with Jesus and his disciples right before he ascends into heaven. Let's begin in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. This is Luke who was talking. If you're familiar with Luke, he was a doctor. He traveled around with Paul, who is perhaps the most famous of, of all missionaries. And Luke wrote the book of Luke, and he wrote Acts. It's kind of like a part one and part two. And he wrote to an individual named Theophilus. We don't really know a whole lot about him. We can presume that he was uh, probably some, someone with some stature. Um, in the society, in the community, and here Luke was writing to him about uh, the story of Christianity, essentially, what happened with Jesus, the life of Jesus, and what happened with the growth of the church since the life of Jesus. So in the first book, O Theophilus, I, this is Luke, have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. The day he was taken up, that's his ascension into heaven. We're going to see that today. And he had given commands through the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? Here's Jesus, the Son of God, who's operating by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit that those commands are given. I think it's incredible how the Holy Spirit came on Jesus at the time of of baptism, if, if you've read that uh, in the Bible before, Jesus was baptized and then a dove came down on him. It was the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. And it looks like Jesus was doing his ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit, giving us a model for what it should look like for us today. And so Jesus, giving commands to the disciples through the Holy Spirit, verse 3, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. So Jesus was sent by God into a very broken world to live a perfect life. Because everyone before him had lived a life of sin and all of us after Jesus have also lived lives of sin. The Bible tells us when we are born, we're born into sin. We have sinful natures. This is who we are and this is what we do. Until God saves us and his Holy Spirit comes into our lives and he begins to change us and transform us by his power and for his glory. But because of that sin, we are inherently separated from God. We can't be together with him. He's perfect, he's holy, he's pure, and we are sinners. And so God sent Jesus to live that perfect life and then he died on a cross. A cross was the worst form of death in the Roman Empire of that day. The Romans had taken over uh, the area around Israel and they ruled the Israelite people and they had the cross as this unbelievably horrific form of torture and death. And that's what Jesus suffered on. And when he did, he died as a sacrifice. In the Old Testament, it used to be 
animals. And so he was called the Lamb of God, this Lamb who died uh, for all of us. So that if we believe in him and if we trust in him, our sins will be taken away because of his sacrifice, then we can be together with God. If we repent of our sins, if we turn from all that we have done, and we put our lives entirely with him. And so Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering, after his death. He came back from the grave on the third day, and he lived for 40 days on earth, verse 3 tells us. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. So in many ways they saw that he was alive, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about what? The kingdom of God. Isn't that incredible? He had 40 days on earth. Jesus could have talked about anything that he wanted to. And what was so important to him in those final days that he had with his disciples? The kingdom of God. You know, one of the things that I love about people who walk really closely with God is that you can normally tell it in about the first five minutes. You don't need much time with them. You can... You can meet someone, and within minutes, they'll be talking about what God is doing in their lives. They have such a love for him and such an affection for him. It's like when one of your good friends, maybe you're in high school or college or a young adult, and one of your good friends meets someone, and they immediately are drawn to them, and and uh, it's, a, it's a guy maybe who just meets this girl and then suddenly he can't start talk, stop talking about this girl. It's like every time you're with him, he's talking about the girl because that's what's on his mind. It's like a new parent who has just had a little baby. You're probably not going to spend too much time with them until they're telling you about their little baby. Whatever is on our heart, the affections of our hearts will tend to, tend to surface and tend to come out pretty quickly. And for those of us who love Jesus and, and love to talk about the things of Jesus and, and we have this affection for his kingdom, it's going to tend to surface. I was challenged hearing about these missionaries, this team of missionaries, they committed together that within the first five minutes of meeting someone, they were going to let that person know they were a follower of Jesus. They wanted to make sure that's what was on their tongue, that's what was on their lips, and that's what flowed out of their lives. I love this idea of Jesus just sitting together with his disciples for those 40 days and over and over again saying, let me tell you more about the kingdom. This is what the kingdom looks like. This is what the expression of the kingdom is going to be about. The kingdom of God is just quite literally the reign and the rule of God. Wherever you find God in, in fullness, reigning in an area, you're going to experience his kingdom. The kingdom of heaven, I mean, heaven itself is the perfect picture of what the kingdom of God is going to be like. Satan won't be there. Sin won't be there. It will only be the kingdom of God. And we know in, in heaven that there's going to be healing, there's going to be uh, joy, uh, all of us are going to be made whole, the, the realities of this fractured and broken world are, are not going to be there, just the glorious presence of God himself, heaven is going to be an unbelievable place, and so when we talk about the kingdom of God, it's those, those pictures, those reflections of heaven that are invading this world in the kingdom of God, wherever the reign and rule of God is taking place, and it takes place place through those who are followers of Jesus who have the presence of God with them. 
So the greatest place to find the kingdom of God in this earth should be in the church. Because it's in the church that you have the people of God gathered together. And for us on Sunday evenings, if someone comes through these doors, they should encounter the kingdom of God in a beautiful and powerful, and I hope life-changing way. This is what Jesus wanted to talk about. And I hope through 2022, this is what you will often catch Peter Swan talking about. And I hope it's what we will catch each other talking about. The kingdom of God, the things of God, the things that really, really matter on this earth. Sometimes I wonder how much more time we spend talking about politics or, or sports or, or family or, or work or maybe a whole bunch of good things. But maybe in 2022, God wants to bring us back to his kingdom and just say, can we fast and pray and reorient and recenter our minds upon the things that are above everything else. This is what Jesus was talking about. Verse 4, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So a Father sent the Son, to this earth to be our Savior. And as the Son was ascending into heaven, He was sending the Spirit. Now, we are told at the end of, of John that Jesus, in, verse, in chapter 20, He breathed the Holy Spirit onto the disciples in verse 22. So we know that the Holy Spirit, in a sense, had already been sent to the disciples, but had yet to come in fullness on, on all the followers of Jesus. And so he was telling them this great promise was to come. The promise was the Holy Spirit, the presence of God who would dwell with all the followers of Jesus, this radical, life-changing promise. I was so immensely blessed by one of our brothers here at Hope. He came up to me a couple years ago, and he said, Peter, I, I love the way that that when you're preaching, you're, you're sharing the gospel, the good news about Jesus. You're, you're constantly reminding us of what God has done for us in Jesus. But, but what about the Holy Spirit? Can you, can you just share more with us about the Holy Spirit? Because when we begin to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells in our, our hearts. And the fact that God is always with us, that is life-changing. And I was so challenged and so touched by the truth of what my brother shared is this radical reality that when we follow Jesus, God is with us in power, and our lives are never, ever the same. That was the promise. And Jesus had, had encouraged them to, to not depart from Jerusalem, but just to wait for that promise to come not many days from now. Verse 6, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? We think that they were... Looking, the disciples were looking for some sort of military conquest for the Romans to be driven out of the land so that the Israelites would have their own autonomous uh, kingdom once again. Throughout history, they had faced military conquest many times, and, and when they had 
had sinned against God. At, at, at times he had let other countries uh, come in, and when they had followed him, at, at times he had brought um, people to, to lead them and given them military uh, victories, and, and, and they longed for that. I mean, the Romans were oppressing them in, a, in, in, in quite a difficult way, and, and they wanted to be released from that. But it appears that that their mindset and Jesus' mindset wasn't quite the same. They were looking for a different type of Savior, a different, a different type of Messiah. Look how Jesus answers this, verse 7. He said, He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Seeming to indicate that it's not for you all to know when you're going to be released from this or, or what that's going to look like or, or when God's going to bring all of this to fullness. We know that the kingdom of God isn't actually come to fullness until Jesus comes again, the second coming of Jesus Christ to take us to heaven. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is if uh, Jesus was saying, Look, don't, don't get too hung up on, on the times. God is going to do what he's going to do. But you've got a mission right now. You wait for the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he's going to come with power. And you're to be my witnesses. I love that vision that, that you and I have for 2022 and for every year to come. Until Jesus comes again, we've got a job to do, you and I. To go and to be his witnesses and to share the glorious reality of what God has done for us through Jesus. This immeasurably good news that you and I have received. But we don't do it by our own power. And we don't do it by our own strength. I love how Blake was highlighting that in his testimony. Verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So if you follow Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, then the, the spirit of the living God rests in you and you have all that you need. I love that it's power that he gives. It could be a love. You'll receive love when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Or you'll receive mercy. You'll receive grace. You'll receive kindness. We can think about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It could be a lot of different things, but what God highlights here, what Jesus says you'll receive power. The disciples, I think, probably interpreted that as the power of the spoken word, but also the power of deeds, miracles that God was going to do. There's a power to our lives. The trick is that I'm guessing none of us feel it. You don't really feel like the power of the Holy Spirit is resting with you. If you're like me at all, I just feel so normal. And so I think, how in the world is God going to, to do something? But he, he longs for that, especially when we ask him for it. And so as we're going into the fast, as we started the fast today, this is one of the things I'm, I'm fasting for. God, I just want to see your, your power in this year in a fresh way. I feel as inadequate as I have ever felt in my life. But I'm just asking for your power. Because when I read the Bible, I'm constantly reminded that it's not about what I feel. It's not about what I think. It's just about what you're going to do if I will just walk in utter faithfulness to you. I don't know where you're looking for breakthroughs in your life. I don't know what you're longing to see God do. But he is an utter God of power. And when we pray into the heart of God, he loves to do it. And when we pray into Acts 1-8, he definitely loves to do it. 
Jerusalem was the city that was the headquarters, so to speak, of the Israelite people. Judea was the immediate area. Samaria was the neighboring area, and the ends of the earth would have been beyond that. So what does it look like for us to be witnesses in, in Houston, throughout Texas, throughout the U.S., and to the other side of the world? Not by our own strength, but by His. Not by our own wisdom, but by His. Not by our power, but by His. There is something that God can do through your life and mine if we will simply just share the story of Jesus. Just talk about the good news of what God has done through us through Jesus and talk about his change, how he has changed our lives, how he's radically touched us. Maybe you're a student in school. Maybe you're at the workplace. Maybe you're hanging out with other moms and kids at the park, wherever you are, wherever we are, if we can just be those who love to talk about the kingdom of God, who are quick to witness and to share the good news of what God has done. When I was going to the um, um, airport the other day, I needed to pack, uh, catch a, a taxi in Uganda. And, and one of the things that that I'm fasting for and praying for is that God would just help me be so quick uh, to share the gospel and to share the good news. I've had those seasons where I was, it felt like I was sharing almost every day. And then I've had those seasons where it's felt like it's been more of a lull. And so um, I've just been praying and asking God to just keep me so sharp and so attentive with everyone that I'm around, uh, looking for opportunities to share the good news about Jesus. And and that's been on my heart as we're getting, getting ready to fast together. And, and so I went to get in this taxi and I, I thought, I'm going to I'm going to see if there's an opportunity to share the gospel while I have a uh, captive audience here, and I'm paying him anyway, so he needs to listen to me. And so I got in and immediately noticed his, uh, his face mask. I mean, we're in the day and age of corona, and, and so um, it had a, a, a Muslim uh, word on, on the side. And so I, I thought, yes, he's a Muslim. And then I thought, I'm not supposed to celebrate that he's not a Christian. But uh, uh, anyway, so we got into it, and... and you know, it's, uh, we were spending time just getting to know uh, each other and was really enjoying talking to him. And then I, I felt as if the Holy Spirit was talking to my heart that it was time to transition to, to talk to him about Jesus. And so um, in, in the culture there, it's fine just to ask him. So I did. I, I said, are you, are you a Christian or, or a Muslim? I thought he was going to say he was a Muslim, but instead he said, I'm a Christian. And I said, that's terrible. Why are you? No, I didn't. I, uh, I celebrated the fact that he was, uh, he was a Christian as well. And, and um, uh, you know, we had a, we had a great uh, conversation together. But um, one of the things that, that, uh, that, that got me after that was, um, how can I make sure that it's, it's not just individual conversations that I have but it it's just so much a part of the lifestyle you know I don't even have to have to think about it Jesus is just coming off of my lips all the time I just feel like when he, when he was talking about the kingdom of God here in Acts chapter 1 that that this is just this was just flowing out of him and that's what I'm fasting and praying for that'll just flow out of me in in 2022 and I hope uh, for you as well this idea here of being witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth is, 
is a huge part of what we feel like God's called us to in South Sudan. And, and we would cherish your prayers uh, for the ministry there, for, for brothers and sisters who began in there, their Jerusalem and Mvolo, uh, the, the village where we are, and have gone out into their Judea in, in, in recent years uh, sharing the gospel. And, and now we're are reaching up to their Samaria and different parts of, of South Sudan. And, and God willing, and coming years will even cross international borders to be able to reach their end of the earth. Can you imagine if believers, followers of Jesus from every country on this earth were all faithful and obedient to Acts 1-8? How radically that would change all of us. The earth, the spiritual landscape of this earth would, would shift and, and change in such powerful ways if we were all obedient to these the final words of Jesus. I think it's so significant that this is the last thing that he said before he ascended into heaven. It's almost like, whatever you do, don't forget this. Hang on to this. Make sure this is what you're about. And I'm afraid that so many of us, if we're, we're not in, in ministry, if if we're not uh, paid to, to be a pastor, that, that maybe it's not on our minds as much. But this, this applies no more to pastors than it does to, to any of us. It's, it's a mission that God has called all of us to be a part of. To wake up every day and say, God, just use my life today. Just fill me with your spirit. Flow through me in power and help me to talk about your kingdom everywhere I go. Verse 9, and when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, angels, we think, and said, verse 11, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Look back at verse 9. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. Can you imagine? You're there. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit's coming. He's going to fill you with power. And then you're going to go out and be my witnesses. As he's saying that, he ascends into heaven. And suddenly the angels are saying, don't worry. Another day he's going to come back. And in your mind, you're thinking, well, I know what to do until then. I'm going to go out. I'm going to be his witness starting in my area, all over the world, wherever he takes me, I'm going to be faithful and obedient to his command. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know what's going to happen in my life. All I know is that this is what he told me to do until he comes back again. I love what they did in verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room, where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. So the disciples. Verse 14. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. I have often wondered if verse 14 isn't the most important verse in the book of Acts. If verse 14 doesn't happen, I don't know if everything else is going to take place the way that it did. If there wasn't that, that season of prayer, in one accord, in unity, just praying while they waited for the Holy Spirit to come. Jesus told them, verse 4, wait for the Spirit. Wait for the Spirit. Wait for the Spirit. Don't go out and try to do it on your own strength. Just wait for the Spirit. When He comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, 
then you go out and be my witnesses. And for you and me, we have the next three weeks to fast and to pray and to seek the heart of the Lord, to call out to him, to cry out to him, and to beg for him to do something in our lives and in our church that we've never seen before, to touch us with a fresh fire of his spirit, to give us his visions and his dreams, to burden us with specific people and places and, and his calling that he has for our lives. And that at all times and in all ways, we will always be caught talking about the kingdom and sharing the good news to all who will listen. Let me ask you to stand and our music team and our prayer team uh, come up to the front. I think today is really an opportunity for us to consecrate ourselves before the Lord, to humble ourselves before him and, and to, to ask that this would be a year defined by his power in our lives. Not living by our own strength or our own wisdom or gutting it out ourselves, but utterly dependent on who he is. And as we enter into this time of reflection and singing and prayer in just a minute, we want to invite you to come, guest and covenant member. We'll, we'll have our prayer team up front. We'd love to pray for you about anything. Maybe something physical that's going on in your life, an area you need healing. Maybe it's a struggle uh, within a, a family or a dynamic that you're facing. We'd love to pray for that. Maybe spiritual attack uh, that you're facing. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, we'd love to pray for you. And maybe you just want to come and just pray for a reset. And pray for God's visions, his dreams, his power in your lives. As, as you're seeking to share the gospel, share the good news, and, and to live out the kingdom. Whatever's on your heart, we would love to get to pray for you. Let me pray for us. Thank you, Father. What an incredible privilege it is to be able to open the scriptures and, and share together and be reminded of, of what Jesus has done for us. We worship you. We praise you. And we thank you. Father, thank you for sisters and brothers who deeply love you and are passionate about being on mission with you. God, thank you as we look back and all the things you've done in our lives, we just give you praise and glory. And we hunger for so much more. God, will you work in us and move in us and give us your visions. Give us your dreams. Give us your heart. Father, I pray that things of the world will not drown out what it is that you have for us. And I want to pray that in this fast, in these weeks that we have with you, that you would make all things clear for us. And that you would help us with crystallized focus to be all about your mission for your glory. We are weak, but you are strong. We pray that you do it. Father, now we just meet us, move in us, stir in us as we respond and as we reflect and as we come and as we pray. We pray you do it by your power for your glory in Jesus' name.